actress Catherine Heigl, a passionate animal advocate who has saved over 16,000 dogs, says she's been seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. She believes there's a link between canine health and diet. After extensive research, she developed Superfood Complete, a dog food pack with over 30 wholesome ingredients, including superfoods beneficial for your furry friend. Superfood Complete isn't just about deliciousness, though dogs love the taste. It's about supporting overall well-being. In addition to providing a healthy option for your pet, Badlands Ranch, the maker of Superfood Complete, also supports the Jason DeBus Heigl Foundation, which helps rescue countless dogs and find them loving homes. Dogs across America are trying this food and loving it. Go to BadlandsRanch.com slash MC901 and order right now to get up to 50% off your regular priced order with a 90-day money-back guarantee. If you want your dog to experience all these incredible things, go to BadlandsRanch.com slash MC901 today. On this episode of Music City 911. Yeah, there's a, there's a man in my house right now. You, you don't get a speakerphone. Why are you in my house, though? And another accident. Okay. Oh, my God. I get, I get what you're saying, but you got two guns, bro. You're saying you got two guns? Oh, man. Oh, my God. What is going on? It's her running out noise. I think it was gunfire. From Nashville, Tennessee, welcome to Music City 911. I'm your host, Brandon Hall, and I've got a couple guests sitting in with me today by the names of Bree, Tess. Bree and Tess, how are y'all doing today? Doing pretty good, can't complain. So I brought you guys in for a couple of reasons. I mean, just to have guests on the show, obviously. But past that, I'd also uh, wanted to have some newer people. Y'all are both trainees still going through the process of learning the, the job and everything. So yes. I'll open up with a few questions for you. Um, first off, um, what got y'all into the, the field in the first place? Like what made y'all want to be a 911 dispatcher? Well, it's probably going to sound cliche like everyone else. I want to help people. Um, I want to make a difference and then helping the community and the people in it and, you know, criminal justice interests me. So, Oh, yeah. And Tess, what about you? I graduated last May with a degree in criminal justice investigative services. So I wanted to stay in the field, but not necessarily go right out into the line of fire as yeah. an officer right away. So I thought this would be a good intro, kind of learn the job, see what it's like. Again, like she said, want to help people, obviously. I feel like if you're in this profession, that's got to be mm-hmm. one of your criteria. But, yeah, I kind of wanted just to get my foot in the door. Yeah. New yeah. to Nashville, so. Oh, yeah. And Nashville's a, a good place to kind of start out at in the first place. It's, it's a, you know, we're one of the biggest consolidated centers in the world, actually, uh, that does police, fire, and medical. Uh, therefore, while we were the biggest in the world that does all three of them. Um, now the training aspect of it, you guys are how far along? We are third month. So we were on our last month and then we'll be released for three more months until we go back to dispatch training. All right. And so when you're actually in training, cause it's been a long time. I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years when I went through training, it was, I'm sure a little bit different on some ends of it, but, 
uh, from y'all's aspect, what kind of initial training do y'all have? You walk in kind of blind to this job. I mean, that's how I did it. I'm sure it's the same with you guys, other than kind of some preconceived notions of what might happen. So for you guys, when you walked in the first day and, you know, kind of progressed from there, what kind of training do you have when you're not actually on the floor training? So... Even just in the hiring process, we go in for an orientation that kind of does a pre-test. Um, so we sit and it tests your hearing, typing skills. Um, so that's before you even interview for the position. Once you actually get in um, for your six weeks of initial training, it's textbook training, so a lot of learning. Uh, we do our APCO week. Um, a lot of quizzes, a lot of exams. I learn a little bit about the geography behind the city, all of our codes. Yeah. It's a lot of textbook. Yeah. Honestly, like learning a third language, pretty much, if yeah. we're being honest. It, it really is. I mean, they there was talks probably about 10 years ago uh, that we would try to go like nationwide to a more of a, a kind of a base language type thing, like it's just a normal talk on the radio. Like we, instead of saying, you know, 1053 would say mm-hmm. armed robbery. Mm-hmm. It'd just right. go out like that. It never did catch on with the, the police side, but the fire side, we actually do that now. So that's at least one thing. I mean, we still use codes in-house but then when we're talking on the radio it's all plain language like that right i feel like a majority of the content that we learned we did our police codes fire codes ems codes we did a lot of street continuations within nashville and davidson county um we did abbreviations we did call text and that's before we even get signed on into cad into the phone system so just kind of taking those first few weeks doing all of the textbook learning making sure that that's all kind of committed to memory so that once we get into CAD, it's a lot easier. Yeah, it's um, now now going on the textbook stuff, like you were saying, the street continuations. It's like this in almost every city. You'll have one street that goes, and I'm not sure you know who was smoking what when they decided to do this, uh, <laughs> but you have a street that's named one thing, and then on the next block over, it just completely changes names. That happens in every city. It's weird. I don't know why they do that, but in Nashville, it's no different. We actually have a... a one of our main streets, Old Hicker Boulevard, that goes around the city. Um, it originally was designed to go completely around the city, but now which is kind of broken up into different sections, and there's like five or six different pieces of it, and it's, you know, it's hard. Even there's some places in, on Old Hicker Boulevard where it actually has the same address. So you have to know that what part of the city you're in, too. And right. for somebody outside from outside the city that don't really know the city that well, it's, it's really rough. So it's it's good to, to know all those things about the street continuations, things like that. Now, the now getting into the, the whole CAD side of it and the phones, it's completely different than anything else that's out there at all. I mean, right. yeah. there's, uh, like on the phone uh, portion, I've been through, I mean, probably, I don't know, four or five different phone systems since I've been there. The CAD, I've been through, I don't know, probably half a dozen of those. I mean, it's, they change around a lot. And the ones we got now... It's pretty good uh, on both ends. There's some things to can improve. But uh, what's your overall thought on, let's say, the, the phone system we have? The phone system, I feel like, in itself is pretty decent. Yeah. I mean, you get your initial phone number. You'll get the cell tower that it's hitting off of. If you wait about your 30 seconds, you're going to get your phase two come through, hopefully, on your wireless calls. And it's usually pretty accurate. So I feel like that, the phone system alone, does a decent job. Yeah. Not to mention the address book that has literally everything you can think of in there. Right. Yeah, they do. And that's one of the things that I do like about it. Our old phone system, we had no phone numbers listed in at all. We had some transfers and things like that that we could do for an hour one and a 
a couple others, but now it has every type of organization, every mm-hmm. city and uh, county in, in Tennessee. We can transfer very easily now. It's it's a lot easier to do. Which is super helpful, especially with our 8600 line, the mm-hmm. non-emergency. A lot of the calls you're getting are people calling in, asking for different phone yeah. numbers, not knowing exactly who they need to talk to. So having that resource to be able to send them to the right person, give them the phone number versus having them have to look it up online yeah, is super helpful. So you guys are now in your third month of uh, on-the-floor training. You've been taking actual phone calls and everything. So uh, have you got any standouts that, that really kind of... I don't know, like me, I've had like the, the very first month I had three or four really bad calls. Um, and they, I've told people on the show before that those first few calls that you take like that, they stick with you. You, you forget about them after that. I mean, I've forgotten about hundreds of thousands of calls probably, but I still remember those first few that I took that are, that were bad. So have you got any that have stood out to you guys yet? Um, I've only really had one that has stood out to me. The rest has mostly been like crazy people calling in about nonsense. Um, but I know Tess has had one call that has stuck with her. I know just last week I had, it was my second CPR I've done and it was on a seven month old. So the grandmother called in, we did CPR, paramedics got there and transported, which we thought was probably a good sign, but then they paged, um, the chaplain to meet them at the hospital and then they paged out youth services and then they paged out id so i think a lot more was going on behind the scenes but that kind of hit me just a seven month old super helpless Mm -hmm. and listening back thinking back on the call when it came in at the time didn't seem weird but they were super calm about it i feel like if it was my seven month old there would be a lot more hysterics going on yeah so that kind of yeah that hit me a little bit and that's what kind of sucks about our job, too, is, like, we don't get to know what happens behind the scenes. We just get to hear, like, then, and then, you know, we're just, like, left with, like, a story that isn't unfinished, pretty much. Right. And so everything's in my head. I'm wondering, what did they walk into? Was there something on the baby? Like, you don't have that closure, necessarily. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's a good thing. I don't know if I want that closure or if it's worse, because then you're just making up scenarios in your head yeah, it, it can be a little bit of both. I mean, everybody wants to have that little bit of closure. Um, but, you know, sometimes that closure that you look for, you're going to find out, you know, something bad actually happened from it too. So that's, mm-hmm. it, it's a, it's kind of a two-way street. I mean, it, it could be good or bad. I mean, it's, there's nothing grand when you take a call, especially about a seven-month-old that's dying or not breathing or anything like that. I mean, it's, you know, I've, I've taken loads and loads of those calls and every single time it's, I think, well, maybe it'll get easier, and it, it doesn't. So, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's really good when you can help somebody out, and, mm-hmm. you know, they say, oh, the, or you, you start hearing the baby crying in the background. That's happened a few times, so that's that's always really good, too. So we're going to go ahead and get into one of the calls that we have for this episode. It's a uh, – and to give you a little, little preview on this, this is one of the calls. They've probably had several calls. You guys have been on the floor long enough. If we have a, a, a big wreck on the interstate – Every single person calls about it, it oh, seems yeah. like. Everyone involved, yeah. every single passerby. Yeah. doesn't matter what they saw, they're going to call it in. If they don't know where it is, if they don't know what color the car is, mm-hmm. they're going to call just to tell you about it, even if they have nothing that they can give you. Yeah, if they live yeah. in a house, you know, three miles away and heard and a crash heard somewhere, it, yeah, yeah. they're going to call <laughs> about it. So that's what's happened with this call. They've probably taken several calls, so it may sound like the, the uh, dispatcher on this is a little bit dismissive of the call. Just because we've had so many, or they've had so many calls on it, but some things happened during the call that uh, actually kind of escalate everything. So we'll go ahead and get into that. 
911. What's the address of the emergency? Um, I think we're on uh, 75, I-75. Yes, I'm going to have to let you go. We have a lot of lines ringing right now, but we do have help going out there, too. And another accident. Okay. Oh, yeah. my God. What just happened? Tell me what happened. Tell another me accident. Another accident going northbound. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And that was a truck. Okay. And what kind of truck? Like a semi or a pickup? We can't see. We cannot see. It's, like, impossible to see. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my god what is going on okay we are getting help out there okay oh my goodness how many vehicles have been involved that you've seen so we, far we cannot see ma'am we cannot see this is the third okay. one now already how many people would you guess are injured uh oh, uh -oh. another one okay. ma'am that's four okay that's four vehicles four vehicles involved how many people are hurt do you know okay hold on hold on we're hearing another one he stopped in time. Oh, gosh. Um, I would say it sounds like trucks, so it would be three trucks, would be three drivers. Okay. And um, I don't know the one coming southbound. I did hear the police coming, and then I, I can't hear anymore. Is oh, anyone, my gosh. Is anyone? Yeah, another one. Damn it. Oh, my goodness. This is bad. Like, you know what it is because they can't see? Yeah, that's what it is. Is anyone pinned or trapped in their vehicles, or is everyone seeming to be able to get them? Ma'am, ma'am, This is the tenth one now. Okay, we that's just had five in a row. Okay, is anyone pinned? Uh, we can't tell. Okay. Are there any obvious injuries? Nothing that we know. Okay. Yeah. Is there any serious bleeding that you can see? Yeah, but you know what? What if I don't know where I don't know where I'm going? You don't know where you're going? Oh, oh my God. How many vehicles? Yes, ma'am. And was that another one? Yes, ma'am. Okay, how many vehicles now? Uh, 16. Okay. You can hardly even see your hazards. Okay. Here comes another one. Oh, my God, coming too fast. He's coming too fast. Here comes another one. Oh, yep, oh. see? There it goes. That one is a bad one. Okay, all right. No, okay. I'm here. Okay, get, keep your, you're doing good. Just keep yourself out of traffic, okay? Try to direct people out of the road if you can, but I, I want you to keep yourself safe. That's the most important thing, okay? Doing such a good job. Just stay with me, okay? I know this is very traumatic. I need you to keep, to keep calm. If there's anybody else getting out of their vehicles, just reassure them that help is on the way, and don't let them have anything to Another one? Was that yeah, very good, very good. All right, you are doing amazing. Um, do you see any semis or anything like that? Yes, ma'am. There has to be all semis. I'm hearing people crying on the other side. That is northbound. Okay. So that actually happened in uh, Florida in 2012, and the, re the reason for that was a lot of smoke uh, from one of their uh, fires they had down there as well as uh, a lot of fog. It was just people were going highway speeds and they couldn't see each other. And obviously they just kept crashing because it was so dense, the smoke and fog. It ended up uh, killing 10 people and injuring and hospitalizing 18 past that. So you guys, have you had any calls like this? I've had a few where you actually hear the, the wrecks, you know, actually on the phone like that, where there was kind of a back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back wreck like that. Have you guys had anything like that yet And you're Definitely not to that extent. No. I feel like the most maybe four car accident. Yeah. But it had already happened. It wasn't happening while we were on the phone. 
that's crazy. Yeah, it, it's some craziness with uh, stuff like that. And the closest we've had anything like that was actually, um, I don't know if you want to say luckily, it was barely outside of our jurisdiction. It was up on Vietnam veterans. I think we still had a couple officers go up and help out with it, but I think it ended up being somewhere around 80 or 90 cars or something like that because of heavy fog. Jeez. Yeah, and uh, luckily, I, I don't think that many people were hurt, and it, not like this one we just listened to, but still, it's a pretty big deal. So we heard the 911 dispatcher on that one uh, going through some of their medical protocol as best as she could. I mean, really, there's not too much uh, she could do. And just like uh, you know, you were saying a minute ago um, off air that we were, you don't really want them to get very close to try to assess a patient because, I mean, they could get involved in this, this accident that just keeps on happening. I mean, right. there's, there's no telling what's going to happen past that. I mean, another semi-truck, and a lot of people don't know, how much a, a semi truck actually weighs they can be hauling you know uppers of a hundred thousand pounds and they're going 70 80 miles an hour down the interstate they're not stopping for very much at all right right it's not, hard enough to i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off it's hard fun. enough for a third party to have any information mm-hmm. especially in a situation like that i mean she was really calm and was able to keep composed enough to get the dispatcher as much information as possible mm-hmm. which is pretty impressive but yeah that's hard like she said, like the dispatcher said on the call, her safety at that time is the most important. Mm-hmm. Help's already been started, so. Yeah, the the safety of the caller, we, you know, one of the phrases we try to use is don't create more victims, and that what that's what may have happened if she would have went out there and try, started trying to render aid to these people. I mean, it's unfortunate, but, you know, we don't know how far this this, this crash, you know, you're on mm-hmm. the phone, you don't know too much about it other than you keep hearing accidents, and obviously that's a thing that you want to take into account so how do you guys think that you would react if you actually had something like this happen i mean would you be as calm as these you know as this dispatcher was i mean this could have been a brand new dispatcher too you never know um probably definitely not as calm as she was especially being with my third month i'd for sure be on the end of my seat like probably face red eyes bulging out of my freaking eye socket freaking (laughs) out (laughs) i don't know i think that it's hard and there's really no way to tell how you're going to react to a call until you're taking it. And I think that's why the amount of training that we had is so beneficial because even though it can't prepare you for every single call you're going to get, at least we know the steps that we need to take, which helps us stay calm and reassure, as long as we're trying our best to reassure the person on the other end of the phone that help is on their way and get as much information as we can. Yeah, that's yeah. It, it's a... Uh... You know, trying to calm them down and everything uh, when you get something like that. I mean, this it, it didn't really sound, I mean, other than the fact that she was, uh, the, the caller was pretty excited from, you know, what was happening out there. It, it didn't seem like she was in any kind of distress or anything. So, you know, keeping them, keeping that person calm isn't necessarily uh, key in that, that uh, situation. Now, I have, um, as y'all will too, y'all have a call where someone is not even involved in the wreck and they're sitting there just bawling their eyes out mm-hmm. because they saw it happen and you know they live in a nice tucked away world i guess where they never see anything bad and they see a rear end accident where nobody's hurt at all and they call in bawling because they just saw it happen right in front of them so yeah it, it can happen like that so our next call we're going to get right into uh it's it's kind of a messed up one uh, this is one of those that you, you kind of have to give a little bit of listener discretion to the front because it's it, it is a pretty harsh call. Um, I'm not going to give you too much past that. I'm letting uh, these guys here like they're going to go into it kind of blind. Uh, they know just barely what happened with the call, but 
past that, they've never heard it before. So we'll go ahead and get right into it. 
I don't know, I'm upstairs, all I can hear is them like slightly talking. Do you still have him on the phone? Yep, so we have, um, so I'm talking to you, and then my other call taker is talking to someone else as well. Do you know who's in the home? No, we have no idea. You have no idea who it is? Yeah, he's barging our back door with two guns. He just barged in? Yeah, and he has my husband locked in a room with him. He won't let my husband or me out. We have everyone on the phone right now. We have your husband, you, and um, the male that's in your home as well. I just heard a really loud noise. I think it was gunfire. You heard a loud noise? Yeah. The police officers are making entry right now, so stay calm for me, okay? So, uh, impressions on that. What do you guys, what's your take oh, on it? man. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> no words. Yeah. It, it's one of those that, uh, you know, and I've got details I'll share with you guys here in uh, just a, a few minutes after talking about this. But, you know, just from being that dispatcher, ha- having it go from, from nothing, like a regular kind of, it, it could have been anything like calling in. I mean, people, they, they get really, uh, you know, tuned up when they, you know, have something uh, emergency or something like that, even if it's a small thing going on and they forget what they're doing. They're not listening to the, to the call taker at all. Um, in this case, the call taker actually had to ask for the, the address a couple of times. That's the most important thing. And with this one, she had to get kind of, uh, kind of upfront and, you know, in your face trying to get that address. And once she finally got that, she was able to try to get what was going on past it. And I mean, it, it, I can't imagine having somebody just, run up in your house. I mean, you're sitting around doing Lord knows what, you know, just normal stuff inside your house. And some random dude walks in and he's got two guns and starts pointing to people, you and your family. Yeah. That's crazy. I couldn't imagine. It's hard too, because even though the first question you ask is what is the address of your emergency? I would say 85% of the people just jump right into what's going Mm -hmm. on. So you have to stop them because like you said, it's the most important thing. If you don't get an address, there's no way we can get you help. Right. Like I know someone broke into your house and they have guns, but what is your address? Yeah. And they do it all the time. Just like you said, probably 85%. I don't know. Like, you know, that's about a roundabout guess, I guess. And it's there. They would, you know, call in and just kind of jump right into whatever's going on. I mean, it happens almost every call. Mm -hmm. They, they don't realize that, you know, we have to get the address first. They just want to get out what's going on. And a lot of people, I don't know if they're storytellers or what, they want to, they want everybody to know and they want to tell you every detail about mm-hmm. the call, what's going on, because I guess they they think that us on the phone, we're going to be the arresting officer, the judge, the jury, everything. They want to get it all out on the phone right then when right. we don't actually need that. We have very specific things we need. And this, this call taker did a pretty good job of a combination of questioning and listening to because um, there was a lot going on in the background. So the William involved with this one, it's a uh, William Paul Jones. That was his name. Uh, he's been arrested since then. And uh, what per, what happened after all this, when he said Christopher's dead, there was some kind of confusion between the, that actual call and what was happening on the field, uh, out, actually at the house itself. So when they the police did make entry, they were on the other side of, I think it was a bedroom door, I believe it is what I've read about it, and... While he was in there, he says, no, uh, Christopher's still fine. 
you know, he's, he's not, you know, there's nothing wrong with him at all when in fact he had shot him and killed him. So, you know, what he said initially was true. You know, Christopher's dead. It's just, you know, what happened. It's, uh, so the homeowner, the, the husband, he was killed there. And while they were, uh, trying to take him into custody, he ended up shooting three of the police officers that were outside the door too, through the door. Luckily they all made it. They were relatively okay. They had to be hospitalized for a little bit, but after that they made full recoveries from uh, everything I've read. This dude though, uh, the suspect, he is insane as uh, understatement. I mean, I, I'm not sure he's actually still being held right now. He's not been uh, through trial as far as I know. He went into the, the house with the, the two guns, held them, uh, with this incident, I think it was somewhere around 19 different charges that they were uh, going to levy against him. Uh, they included a charge of open murder, one charge of home invasion, uh, resulting in murder, and three counts of assault with intent to commit murder on a police officer. And uh, each one of those have a potential life in prison uh, sentence if he's convicted. Like I said, he's, I believe he's still awaiting trial on this. Now, he's had a number of run-ins with uh, uh, police before this. In fact, uh, one of the articles I've read about it says that he uh, has appeared in 42 jail incident reports uh, fighting, disobeying officers, lying to police, inappropriate contact with other inmates. This is just while he's in jail. Just before this, uh, he was actually just released from jail five days before this happened. And in that time, he had some, some other things going on. I don't know if this is drug related or if he has some sort of mental Ill illness. I'm not sure how they're approaching this, but he had a lot going on. Um, he actually apparently had a girl at his house, uh, may have been, uh, about to have sex, that type thing. You know, he was up in the bed with her and he started hearing voices outside and had her hide in the closet. And, you know, he was like, listen, do you hear that? Do you hear that? And apparently there was nothing going on. He had her hiding in the closet and she's in there going, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't hear a thing. So he ended up calling 911 himself. And from there, he said there are people trying to break in the house and they just set it on fire. Well, they get out there, the police and fire trucks and everything. There's nothing going on at all. There's literally no one trying to get in. The house is not on fire. It's just, uh, apparently it's been like this with this guy for years and years. And hopefully they're going to lock him away and he's never going to see the light of day again. That's, that's what I'm hoping anyway. So getting back on to you guys and uh, the training that y'all have, uh, we talked a little bit about your in-class stuff and just really briefly touched on the on the floor, some of the experiences you had. Now, what about, uh, you know, going from like different trainers and different shifts, things like that, like kind of elaborate on that. What do you guys think about it? Um, I don't have too much experience with it. I pretty much sat with the same trainer my first month, my second month, and my third month, but I know poor Tess was tossed around quite a bit. <laughs> Yeah, I like to look at it in a positive aspect, though. I think, so, the way the three months works, we get standard one month on each shift with a trainer. Um, it varies a little bit. I ended up being on my first rotation for five weeks, and then I've been on my second and third rotation on the same shift the entire time. Um but I got to sit with a ton of different people, whether they were trainers or I was just sitting observing maybe on the radios. And I honestly liked it because you get to meet everybody that's on the shift, which is important. There's a lot of people. It's a little bit intimidating coming in, being the new person, not knowing everybody. Um, but also you get to learn how people do things differently, the techniques that they have versus other people. 
um, kind of see what works best for you and you can pick up on those habits. Um, so I think that's a good thing to be able to sit with a few different people and see. Yeah. You get a little bit of everybody when you're doing something like that. It's, uh, you know, when, like I said, when I went through, I, I got a few different trainers and I tell you like the, the call taken end of it, it's, it's really, you know, it's daunting at first. You don't really know how you're going to handle a certain type of call or whatever like that. But, and this is something I've told a million people, especially trainees, the call taken in is actually pretty easy. I mean, it's uh, once you get your hang of the hang of things. Now I say that, and then you take a really difficult call and it's, it becomes not easy, but overall it's a lot easier than the actual radio dispatch, which y'all have not gotten into yet. I remember when I was going through the, the radio dispatch, you know, I was, I mean, just like anything else, I'm pretty cocky. I mean, it's this the, the way I am. And I said, I sat down the, the first night on there and it was midnight shift. There's not, not too much at all going on. And uh, my trainer says, all right, well, do you want to, do you want to do it yourself? Or do you want to want me to do it the first day? I was like, no, I'm, I'm sitting down. I'm, I'm doing this shit, you know? So that's what I did. I sat down and they checked uh 10, eight, they, they checked available from the station for that shift. And immediately officers started checking out the station and something very basic like that. Just, you know, 331 Charles put me out at the station three or four of them did it all in a row and I just sat back I was like all right that's way too much for me it's right. <laughs> so it, it was all really quick and everything but it, that's something that's very very normal and routine and that just kind of knocked me back into you know a better space instead of me being so cocky it just it set me right back to where I needed to be and um you know from there it kind of worked itself out yeah and I think too in class when we were talking about trainers and there was rumors of who was going to get one what trainer um a lot of people said like oh that trainer will um make you take calls the first night you're there just be ready or oh they'll let you observe the first night but I think I don't know about you I did get thrown right into it and I sat down and I just started taking calls which honestly I'm thankful for now looking back at it because just like the fear of not knowing I think would get to you a little bit and just being able to sit down, like you said, after two or three days, you yeah. already feel so much better, so much more confident. Yeah, um, I didn't get thrown into it. We had issues logging into CAD, so I actually got to observe for my first four days. Four days? My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> um, it wasn't too bad, though. I mean, I kind of like observing, in a sense, because I feel like I learn more techniques, what to say, how to handle certain callers, like things that I wouldn't think of on my own. Yeah, it's it's different, you know, different for each type of uh, trainee that you have. I mean, I was I've said before, I was a trainer for ten years, and you have to kind of work with the trainee that you have sitting next to you. Um, some people are better, you know. I, I'm more of a type of person that says, you know, like let's throw you in the deep end, and we'll see if you can swim that type thing. Um, it it seems to work with most people, but some people it does take a little bit extra time just sitting back and seeing it done and and kind of doing that, but. You know, it's it's all for the same cause, the the same ultimate goal of getting us to where we're trained and able to do the job by ourselves, and um, you know, helping as many people as we can. And a, a lot of times, because of how busy we are, it really does happen to you know a lot of people. I mean, we're helping as many people as we can, and there's a lot of them. Now, a little bit ago, you said something about uh, you know, kind of uh, crazy people on the phones, things like that, or uh, people calling in nonsense. Which I mean, it happens. I mean, we. The, on the nonsense end of it, we get people calling us for everything. Um, they will call us to, you know, mess with their water bill or anything you can think of. Somebody that's uh, going too slow at the drive-through and you know, and Burger King or something along that lines. 
the crazy people we have, it seems like we have different ones all the time. I've had several, the time that I've been there, uh, we've got one in particular. In fact, only one, there's been one person you guys may have talked to her since you've been there. She the fried chicken and mayonnaise in her. No, uh-huh. no, no, that's, that's a different one. <laughs> no, that's a different one. But, uh, this one, she's been there and, and seriously like mentally ill and calling us the entire time I've been there. She's the only one that's, that's been there for that long. Most of the other ones have either passed away or they've been, you know, uh, put in a mental hospital or whatever like that. I mean, it's, it's pretty messed up. The one you guys are talking about, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, we've been having problems out of this woman for, I don't know what, uh, she doesn't want to talk to a man. She only likes talking to women. She does very sexually explicit things on the phone and oh, says that she does. We learned about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know what her deal is. And, um, it, it's, it's one of those things with her that I guess she just likes uh, having a woman on the phone with her while she's doing her business. And that's, you know, unfortunate, but yeah, that we, so they've been, <laughs> notified about that woman the one i'm talking about she calls in with some of the weirdest things you can think of and uh she's i mean i I hate saying this but she's a pretty racist person too she won't talk to a black person on the phone she will ask you straight up are you black you know and after you talk to to her a few times she'll stop asking that once she recognizes your voice or uh, you know something like that but you know it's uh she calls in about people you know, stabbing her with needles, which it's just her doctor or her nurse, um, giving her an injection of something or talking about, uh, drug dealers that aren't there or just all kinds of nonsense stuff. And, you know, she really thinks that's the thing about this. She's mentally ill. She really thinks all this stuff is happening. Right. And that's, that's one of the, the harshest things. And I, I can't remember if I talked about this on the show or not, but years and years ago, there was a, a woman who called in and I, I felt really bad for her. She would call in saying that her husband was abusing her and beating her up and stuff like that. She was an elderly woman. Her husband was also mentally ill, and he was also bedridden. There's no chance of him doing these things. I mean, it. I think he could barely talk himself, but she thought in her, her head that this was actually going on, and she would call in every single time, bawling her eyes out crying. It was horrible. I mean, in her head, this was really happening, so she was really having this emotional reaction to what was happening that actually wasn't happening. So I felt really terrible for her, and it just, it, it was really bad. It went on for a, a good couple of years, I guess, of her doing that. We'd send police officers out to check on her. There was nothing going on, nothing at all. And then one day I took a call from her saying, you know, she called in, and uh, I noticed the phone number, so I knew what was going to happen, but it wasn't what I thought was going to happen. She called in, and she wasn't crying. And, you know, I was like, well, what's, what's going on? And she's like, well, I, I don't have that problem anymore. So, you know, it, long story short, apparently we sent the police officer out there. Apparently what she did was, um, her husband that was not actually beating her, but she thought was, she went and stabbed him with an ice pick. So, um, they ended up uh, putting her in a mental home and, you know, past that. I mean, I I don't think it actually killed her husband, but you know, they got out there pretty quickly and, you know, we never heard from her again. Yeah. If you didn't have patience before this job, it definitely makes you reevaluate and even away from like the people who are mentally ill, it's you learn pretty quickly. It's easy to get annoyed with some of the calls that you get in. Like you said, we get calls from everything, yeah. from people being shot to, like you said, a minor car accident. But you kind of have to put yourself into these people's perspective. That might be 
the craziest thing that's ever happened to them yeah. or the scariest thing that's ever happened to them. So the person that's calling in and their wallet was stolen a week ago, that might be the worst thing that's happened in their life. Yeah. And yeah. so you have to take yourself out of that perspective of like, okay, your emergency is not an emergency because we have people being shot, stabbed, robbed because they don't know and they're just calling for help. Yeah, it's it's another one of those things that, you know, while you're there and doing the job and you're taking, I mean, seriously, we take sometimes hundreds of calls in a single day. Um, you know, you have to try to back up every once in a while. Myself, I'm, I'm guilty of it and I've mentioned it before. You just, you get kind of jaded, you know, just sitting there taking these calls one right after the other and after doing, uh, you know, 100, 150, 200 calls, I mean, I think one day I, I worked a 12-hour shift and I ended up counting out. I was close to 400 calls by the end of the day. I mean, that's that. <laughs> at the end of the day, you're you're sitting there thinking to yourself, okay, well, there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, it's but you have to keep that whole perspective, just like you were talking about. It may have been the worst thing that's ever happened to me, even if it was a stolen wallet or a minor rearing accident or anything really. Yeah, and like you said, keeping your mind open because it's easy to let these calls bleed together when you're getting ten like rear ends a day you get yeah. so many of the same calls a day but each call is different mm-hmm. so you have to keep your mind sharp and be able to listen for those minor details mm-hmm. that are a little bit different because if you try and just get yourself accustomed to taking the same types of calls every day multiple in a row um you might lose those little details that are going to be the most important thing at the end so you want to kind of keep sharp and listen to like Bree said the background noises mm-hmm. that you're hearing because like I said it's going to be those little things that are going to make or break the call yeah and might they're going to differentiate it from the last motor vehicle accident you got or the last shoplifter you got or even the last shooting you got everything's mm-hmm. different yeah and that, that's something else too I mean we can uh, just the other night we had a, a lot of shootings in Nashville and that came in pretty quick a lot of people you know it's just like a car accident on the on the interstate, if you have a, a shooting in the middle of a crowd, you're going to have a lot of people calling about it. And they had something kind of like that the other night. And just like you said, you don't want to push one off because they may have something a little bit different. They may mm-hmm. have a good suspect uh, description. They may have a uh, good access to the patient where you can go and help stop the bleeding, things like that. Yeah. It's very interesting what people pick up on and what different things people focus on. So yeah. some person might be super uber focused on, the person's description where another person might not have even looked at the suspect, but they have an extremely detailed car description or they know exactly mm-hmm. what direction they were headed. So every person is going to be able to offer a little bit of information. That's eventually probably going to put the entire story together. So we're getting close to wrapping it up and uh, we got one more call to play for you. These are some of the lesser heard calls that we take. We, we do take calls, not exactly like this, but involving the same subject matter uh, pretty often but this particular type it's rarely if ever uh, i'll go ahead and play it for you and get your your guys take on it and see what you think may i help you yes hi i was just transferred to you i've got a really weird thing to tell you there's a kangaroo jumping around on andrews and like 13th and 16th area uh off of uh, Milton manors fort lauderdale area i'm trying to need advice and like I'm sorry? Repeat the intersection. Um, it's actually, there's, you probably need animal control. There's actually a kangaroo that's jumping around at, on Andrews between 13th and 16th. It must have, someone must have had it and it got out. I don't know. It was the strangest thing I've ever seen in my life. Okay. And you said it's in what city? 
Um, it's actually, I think it's still uh, Fort Lauderdale, but it's also Wilton Manors, too. Uh, okay. It's on Andrews by 13th. Andrews by 13th. I mean, it was jumping all over, so, yeah, okay. but it was off of Andrews. And it was just a kangaroo's jumping. So, yeah, I mean, seriously, I know you probably think I'm crazy, I, but everyone was stopping and looking, oh. almost hitting it. Oh, know, I just, I wanted to get hit. And would that be like north, northeast 13th or southeast 13th? Uh, it would be northeast. Okay. What's your telephone number? Sorry. And your name? And was it in the road? Well, at first when I saw it, I believe it was like on 13th. That was uh, coming down from 7-Eleven. And I thought it was seeing something for a second, and I got closer. I realized it was the kangaroo in the road. Then it started jumping toward uh, Andrews that actually went into the street, but, you know, stopped as cars were coming and went back into someone's property. But, I mean, it looks like it's scared to death and has no idea what it's, you know, what to do. I right. don't want it to get hurt. I understand. I mean, obviously, it's, I mean, kangaroos are not indigenous here, so obviously right. it got loose. Somebody had it. Okay. And are you at the location now? So I just... Yeah, well, I'm not. I'm not at the freeway now. I'm heading to work. Oh, okay. But I just needed to call it in. I cannot, you know, I don't want it to get hurt. I understand. All right, I have the call entered in. All right, so we'll send them out there to around 13th and in between 16th on Andrews, okay? All right, great. Thank you so much. I hope you guys find it. All right, bye-bye. So... Kangaroo call. That's something you don't really hear often at all, really. Uh, what do you guys think? What, what was your reaction if you were to, you know, your brand new uh, call takers, somebody calls in and says there's a kangaroo running around Nashville. What do you think? I'd probably be like, I'm sorry, there's a what? Yeah. <laughs> you said a kangaroo? Yeah. I feel like, I mean, at this point, anything is possible. Very I don't true. Think. I mean, I'm sure things are going to shock us, but... It's just almost probably going to go right over your head. You're just like, okay, a kangaroo, sure. Repeat the intersection. Which way is he jumping towards? Yeah. <laughs> Direction of flight. Yeah. So, yeah, so something like this, I mean, it it can happen in Nashville. People do privately own these. Uh, apparently with this, they actually had to arrest the owner because he acquired the kangaroo illegally. He was housing it illegally, and it got loose. So uh, he got a couple charges. This actually happened down in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. But, uh, you know, in Nashville – and really almost any big city, because almost any big city has zoos, animals escape. They It happens sometimes. I remember a long time ago uh, when the zoo first uh, kind of opened up here in Nashville, the, a cheetah actually escaped, and it was out. Um, I want to say it, it escaped somewhere around, and it was in the afternoon one day. It was out all night, and they we had sightings of it all over. They, it was all over the news about this uh, cheetah getting out, and you know, safety tips for people if they saw it, you know, don't approach it, obviously, because it's, uh, you know, the fastest land animal and it likes to eat meat, so it might eat you, that type thing. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, anyway, they uh, they ended up uh, finding it in a tree uh, in West Nashville. Um, well, I say West Nashville. It's right off of West End at about 35th Avenue, somewhere around there, I believe. But uh, going from the, you know, the park, I mean, that that's a good little probably five or six miles that it actually made. And they surrounded it and... It was running around for a little bit, and it finally did hop up in a tree. But I can only imagine they they found it on 80 tail, and you know the first shift officers. I mean, some of them are in great shape. 
not all of them are in great shape. So I can only imagine some of these officers out running around trying to, you know, corner or do something with a cheetah that's that could literally kill them and run faster than three of them put together. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it happens a lot like that. So that's a good way to end this episode uh, on the kangaroo call. So anyway, uh, past that, follow us on Facebook uh, at Music City 911 and also join our podcast discussion group on Facebook. Get on there, talk with us, other dispatchers, have questions about the calls we played or anything y'all want us to listen to in the future, get on there and have a discussion with us. Uh, also, look us up on Twitter, Instagram, both at Music City 911 and consider donating to uh, Patreon, also Music City 911. So for Music City 911, I'm Brandon Hall, and sitting in with me tonight was... Bree, Tess. Bree and Tess. Thanks for coming out. I'm glad y'all... Thank uh, you. This hope, fun. Hope you had a good time. Yes. All right, good. All right, we'll see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs>